let's warm myself up for this episode by reading out some texts because the text conversations I'm having these days are suddenly 50 times more interesting than they used to be because the times are a billion times more interesting than they have been in my entire lifetime. Right, so um, let me see. Uh, I've got one here and obviously as always my texts aren't necessarily reflective of what I actually think uh, I and this podcast very much so is not necessarily what I think because this podcast is not by me the real me it's um it's kind of fake me who has all sorts of ideas that run in line with and counter to what I think because it's not about me it's about the ideas themselves they have a life of their own I'm happy well I've got an example um I'm in my real life I'm against the death penalty it doesn't make sense to me um but I was listening just yesterday I think it was um to yeah, and I'm talking about the real me. The real me, you know, look, socially constructed me. Uh, I'm against the death penalty. Yeah, but I might be socially constructed into that idea because I come from Australia and I've had a charmed life. But anyway, put that aside, if you feel like it. Um, but um, I was listening to uh, the outcome of well it was a terrible it was a terrible rape and murder of a young lady in India on a bus i won't go into any details but on the bbc you know in the middle of the night my time someone was interviewing um the mother i think it was um who came you know who i think actually saw the body and I just simply won't describe what I heard. But after I heard what I heard, I was glad that the perpetrators were hanged. You know, and actually that was the real me for a moment there, yes. And I thought, I'm glad. I'm glad they uh, got hanged. Uh, but to understand what brought me to that way of thinking, you would have had to hear, hear what I heard. And my suggestion is don't. You know, don't go Googling it unless you want to. You know. I keep away from that, you know, the detail. I know very, very bad stuff happens. And this was just, um, this was just beyond bad, you know. Uh, it was very, look, it was very similar to, if you're watching a nature show on hyenas uh, ripping apart a um, gazelle. Now, if you watch that in a nature show, I think something like that happened. All right. This was human beings to human beings. All right. Um, now, um, and I was all for the death penalty. penalty. Let's, uh, let's just get those hyenas off the earth. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and I think the family was very happy that the perpetrators got hanged as well. Now, there's all sorts of risks with that. You know, I hope they got the right people and all that sort of thing. Ah, you know, when you bring in death penalties, 
Um, sometimes innocent people will get hung. Uh, but, you know, right at that moment, as I was listening to the episode, I was glad those guys got hanged. Um, but then an Indian lawyer came on and argued the case against the death penalty and said those they shouldn't have hanged them because it doesn't work. It doesn't make any difference, she said. Look, uh, even then I had just listened to the details of the murder, um, the rape and the murder, and uh, I still couldn't help myself. I was glad that they hanged. Um, however, given even though I had that actual belief right there and then that night, which was last night, that it was a good thing they hanged, I could easily, last night, have done an episode as Charlie, you know, which is what the alias for this podcast is. I could easily have done a podcast strongly um, arguing against the death penalty and strongly arguing that those people um, should not have been hanged. I could have done that on the spot. You know, this is the zen I'm seeking, to be able to argue, to argue against myself, and I could really easily have done it. Um, and for all the world, as you were listening, you would have, there would be no way for you to know that I didn't actually think that, this, that that was the case, that these people shouldn't have hanged and that, that there should be no death penalty. As you listened to me, there'd be no way for you to tell. Now, you might, you know, you might think... Um, so what are you doing here? Why are you on this podcast? Um, if you're arguing against what you think and what you don't think, you know. Um, if you're arguing, you know, if you're not giving your views on things. Um, and the answer to that is, my views on things, in my opinion, are irrelevant. Um, I, I don't care what, what my opinions Ah, opinions are a dime a dozen in this world. Get onto Facebook, you know, read books, you know, get on into the media, listen to clever people. You know, there's, there's, not, there's enough opinions going around, you don't need mine. I firmly believe that. Whatever opinion I could have in this world, that opinion is already better put by other people. Dig those opinions up, you don't need mine. I really mean that. This podcast does not um, give you any idea of what my opinions are in life. I'm, I'm pretty certain if you listened to my entire podcast, nobody could, that there is no way for you to tell whether I'm the conservative or progressive, you know, all the normal things, um, straight or uh, gay or queer. That's a good one. Um, you can't tell whether I'm a capitalist or a communist, I'm sure. You'd have to listen to all the episodes to check that. Um, and you can't tell whether I'm a nice person or a pretty horrible person or a pretty well-balanced person or a sociopath. You know, because in this podcast, I want to talk about the ideas which have a life of their own that I'm talking about in, these, um, in this podcast. Uh, the ideas are king. My opinions on them aren't. Um, yeah. It's not about me and what I think. It's more about 
the my the process of my thinking than what I think. It's how I think, not what I think. I said that way, way back at the start. And I'm still sticking to it. I may change my mind another day, you know. Alright, so that's that. Now what about the oh yes, I was going to read some texts. Um, oh, we're in the age of coronavirus, and yes, I'm warming myself up for some audio that's coming, which is pre-recorded, but, um, okay, and uh, I've waffled on for about eight minutes there about nothing, which I hope has seen you off, listener. Um, we don't want listeners in this podcast. This podcast is me talking to me for me. And not for you. Go away. Now, right. So, now that I'm all by myself, I can think clearly. And I, I, I made a text to a friend. And, and remember, this is not what I think. Not necessarily what I think. A left field thought is what I've texted. Uh, and I think you could um, subtitle this text as compassion all right a left field thought (laughs) for all the people in isolation who are on death's door especially in places like italy at present if they can't get a ventilator they should be allowed to apply for a suicide drug question mark you'd have to work through some practical problems and ethics and all that but i reckon i would like the option of that at least if I was such full stop on the BBC I heard a doctor in Italy on the front line who reported that patients stay fully lucid all faculties fine no hallucination phase till the end asking doctors to get in touch with loved ones to pass on a goodbye at which point they drown now my friend replied yep i'd chip in for one specifically for new yorkers Uh, now that one left me all at sea because i haven't been watching any news from new york and i didn't know the hell what he was talking about Uh, and i texted ah i haven't heard from them i'll just assume they are being new yorkers and he wrote whinging bastards effing madonna um, and um, I wrote, and for some reason I have heard nothing from celebs for weeks. Actually, that was true up until around about that time that he was texting me and I was texting him. But I have heard, you know, I haven't heard anything um, firsthand from celebrities myself, as far as I remember, for at least a week. Uh, they're all irrelevant suddenly. Uh, because I listen to the BBC World Service and a few other um, outlets and nothing else, really. Um, and, and, and those guys um, clearly feel that the celebrities, you know, who are so important at other times, are not important now. Um, the BBC World Service, in short, is not seeking the opinions of people like Harry and Megan on coronavirus. Uh, these people are not relevant. You know, they've got nothing to add. Uh, 
Uh, oh, by the way, speaking of that, um, I did get a text in from someone today saying that ordinary people on things like Instagram can make public service announcements. Now that one floored me. You know, because the government is putting out a lot of public service announcements at the moment. But you, listener, Charlie, my only listener, you can get onto Instagram, well, if you were on Instagram, and put out a public service announcement. Oh, that floored me. Yeah. Who would even think to do that? Huh? I mean... <laughs> Who would feel that they had enough authority <laughs> to do that? You know, I'm, I mean, I'm running my own podcast here, so I'm speaking in public, but I'm telling people, don't believe a word of what I'm saying. Half the time I'm bullshitting. <laughs> I was going to say bulldusting there, but I felt like swearing for fun. You know, I don't swear in anger. I swear for fun. Right, now, um, yeah, I... <laughs> Imagine thinking that your pronouncements on coronavirus warrant you making a public service announcement. Um, and, um, and, yeah, oh, there's hairs all over that one. I mean, what, you reckon um, there's insufficient public service announcements being put out by the medical authorities, the official, officially appointed medical... Is, is the Director General of the World Health Organisations not making enough public service announcements? And is uh, the Chief Medical Officer of Australia you know, negligent in his duties at the moment in making enough public service announcements to satisfy everybody such that you Robert <laughs> from uh, you know uh, from what street am I in DeMarco uh, Street what, what am I in Marco Polo Street what is this called you from Marco Polo Street Essendon Essendon Robert Jones from Marco Polo Street Essendon number four um uh, you know, you need to get on there because um, uh, the public service announcements, or the world of public announcements, public service announcements, is missing your uh, wisdom. Right, so that's that. Um, anyway, so I uh, don't know how I got onto all of that, but I got onto all of that. And, um, and I said, for some reason, in my text, I have heard nothing from celebrities for weeks. Oh, yes, of course. Those guys essentially think they are required and uh, now look they've got a lot of followers people listen to them so I suppose they are important because a lot of people listen to them um you know and I might be in the minority in that I don't um so I suppose that's a fair point Maybe they are important. I may drop 
the idea that I was just about to have, and I think you can guess what it was. All right, it's dropped. Right. But anyway, my friend has said effing Madonna. I can only assume that she's said something that has upset him. You know, maybe she's given her opinion on coronavirus. I know. I, look, I did hear from someone um, that Harry and Megan have given their opinions too. You know that we should all love each other or something. Let's just leave that right alone. Right now, um, you know, because we should all keep our distance. Actually, now, um, okay. So. Now, I wrote nil mention of even Harry and Megan for at least a week, you know. Um, and he said, the in- and then he replies almost on his own tangent, the incessant toll updates. Then they have the audacity to speak of mental health. Now, that was interesting to me because I, haven't, I hadn't really sort of... I have had one person ring me expressing some sort of anxiety about this whole thing, but it hadn't occurred to me that people must be anxious. Not people who are actually in trouble or anything like that, just, I mean, times of great change make a lot of people anxious. This would be triggering a lot of mental health issues. And here comes another um, thing that I was sent just today, actually, from the world, and this was by my wife, of... uh, she, uh, well, she just turned her phone to me and um, on her phone was Sam Smith. And he was crying. On a, like there was a photo of him crying. But he had taken the photo. He was in anguish. Um, he was having a meltdown. But he was filming himself having the meltdown and then putting it on Instagram for his 6.4 billion followers crying his eyes out and uh, she was laughing her head off <laughs> that's a whole other story celebrities but you know your first instinct is to oh come on sam smith <laughs> how self-absorbed can you be look have your mental health breakdown but don't film it yeah look um i don't know anything about the context um but my friend here is seems to be getting anxious about the incessant toll updates you know Italy, 4,000 dead. Italy, 4,200 dead. Ooh, Italy in front, China intersect. Noisy motorbike. Yeah, China into second place, you know? It's like I'm watching the footy. Okay. Um, Okay. And another thought I had about that was um, in other natural um, disasters, you get to know the people who are in the disaster, like there's a plane on oh, a plane crash. We had a, a volcano erupt in New Zealand not too long ago, and the front pages, uh, you know, we got to know the people who died, big photos of them, who they were, all that sort of stuff. It, um, people who are dying due to this coronavirus, we're not mentioning their names. I don't actually know why that is. You know, every day we should run. It was a, when you have a natural disaster like an earthquake or a um, volcano or something like that erupting, um, or a plane crashing and all that sort of stuff, you know, the first four pages or eight pages are devoted to, you know, colour photos of all the dead so that we can connect, you know. But um, that's not happening with the um, victims of coronavirus at the moment. And maybe it's because we could be dead ourselves. So 
maybe if you're going to die due to natural causes, you know, and, um, you know, a natural disaster like coronavirus or volcano, make it a volcano because then everyone can feel sympathy for you um, but not feel mentally anxious themselves. Yeah, because they're not in the firing line because they're nowhere near the volcano. But it... Um, but maybe they don't want to fill the first 10 pages of the Herald Sun with the photos of all the people dying uh, because um, that might, you know, that's, we can't feel sorry for them because we're a bit worried ourselves. I can't even analyse all that. Right, let's move on. Um, and then they have the audacity to speak of mental health. And then I texted... Ah, yes, that. And, and by the way, my texts are not necessarily smart. I'm a stream of consciousness, consciousness sort of texter. Well, I, I text whatever comes into my head. Sometimes I'm on a completely different train of thought on one day than I am on the next. But anyway, uh, I have only just in the last 24 hours been thinking about mental health because someone I know texted me yesterday in an anxious state. And I ended up thinking, hmm, I typed that, H-M-M-M-M, comma, maybe things like footy should push on after all, with no crowds and all players tested, so that people in isolation can be distracted and feel something normal. Uh, Oh, by the way, I was talking about the AFL, and the reason I would have been talking about that is um, the footy has been on this weekend. Now, since I texted these texts, the footy has been cancelled till at least May. Uh, we're in March at the moment. So we got round one in of the AFL. Uh, Essendon won, by the way, which I was really pleased about. And, I, you know, I, I was against the AFL even commencing this year. I thought it be, should be called off. You know, that was kind of my opinion. I don't really give my opinion in this podcast, but that was it. I thought it should be called off. But once the games started and once I found out they had already been all been tested, I thought, no, no, this is good. You know, we're all in isolation, like I'm in isolation. And um, it's, um, uh, and it's good, you know, uh, because it, it's a good distraction. Um, and I know a lot of people who are actually at risk of dying and all that sort of stuff. And they were tuned in and they were loving it. So good on them, you know, good on the footy players for playing, but, um, and good on everyone for enjoying watching them playing and just forgetting about this coronavirus for two hours. Uh, but having said that, um, it was canceled after I had those thoughts and after I made these texts and my texts do read. And I ended up thinking, hmm, maybe things like footy should push on after all with no crowds and all players tested so that for a coronavirus obviously so that people in isolation can be distracted and feel something normal i mean during the wars our soldiers our soldiers used to hang out for news of the footy and the cricket it wasn't a case of the soldiers are heroes and ha ha footy players are only playing sport it was of course the case that the soldiers are the real heroes. However, the real heroes still like their footy and their pop stars or whatever, which brings, and that's the end of my texts, which brings me back to the celebrities. I have this sort of instinct to smash celebrities. Yeah, mainly because, yeah, look, back in ancient Rome, they were the slaves of society. You know, your singers and your actors and your dancers, you know, but now you've got um, people like Kanye West and 
Beyonce and Paul McCartney and Meryl Streep. And these guys, in ancient times, um, were, were part of the slave class. They were the court jesters. They were the people brought in to entertain the real people, the humans. You know, these were the slaves. People like, you know, the Beatles or U2 um, would have been slaves. Um, and, you know, I think Mozart was right at the tail end of that whole many thousand years uh, where that sort of was the case. And Beethoven was kind of ushering in a new era in which, you know, like Beethoven was becoming a bit of a celebrity. Look, Mozart was a celebrity too, but he was at the tail end of this thing where you had to sing for your supper. Not, not, not sing, you know, not act and sing so that you could get up on stage like Meryl Streep does and say, you know, I am humbled by uh, how much of a privilege it is for me to be a voice for the world you know, or something like that you know, the sorts of things she says you know it's a privilege to be in an exalted position to you know distribute my largesse um, and my opinion counts more than everyone else's because uh, God the secular God has placed me at the top of the tree where I have millions of people listening and I can do good in the world just with my utterances. Well, you know, Meryl Streep, what if your utterances are wrong? You know, you're no more wise than Robert here in Marco Polo Street, Essendon. Um, why should you have a greater voice, you know? But then again, she does have it. She does have that greater voice, you know. I'm still a bit torn, divided by celebrities. Um... You know, I kind of hate them. <laughs> they kind of annoy me. They think they're so good. You know, but they're, in my mind, they're slaves still. But I can't sort of say that because they're super rich. You know, it's tough. It's tough. Um, in my mind, they're fundamentally just singers, you know, for example, or actors. And then they speak out on world politics and you sort of think... Um, why should, you know, this is a, why should you have a bigger voice on world politics, you know? Oh, because it's, I'm in an exalted position because I happen to have millions of people who will listen to me and, uh, and, and because I'm a good actor or I'm a good singer, um, they will listen to my politics. So I've got to be very responsible with this privileged position where millions of people are listening to me because I've got a good voice when I'm singing. And so I will tack on my politics and um, get a free ride uh, on the back of my good voice so that people will hear my politics as well. And it's a privilege that I'm kind of demanding. <laughs> I'm torn yeah, as to whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. Look, I suppose Robert here from Marco Polo Street is a celebrity in his own mind. And um, I believe he just made a public service announcement on Instagram. So in his mind, at least, he's a celebrity because he's just done his bit for the world in the age of coronavirus. And, um, and he sees nothing wrong with that. <laughs> he sees nothing wrong with the idea of putting up a public service announcement, technically 
in opposition to the official public service announcements by experts who are, you know, from the government and so on, who are trying to control coronavirus. But he's putting himself up there right next to them. And uh, he would not complain if uh, people listened to him speaking instead of the government, I suspect, because I know Robert. I just made him up, so I should. Um, but look, it doesn't matter because Robert's only got two uh, followers. Two people know who he, who he is. So he's only reaching two people. So that's not a problem. Oh, but wait. <laughs> there are celebrities out there who are no smarter than Robert who are also making public service announcements on the back of their privileged position, their exalted Meryl Streep-style position, um, who've got millions of followers... So that makes their opinions more worth listening to, doesn't it? Well, no. It just makes them more listened to, I would think, which is a very, which is a very different thing. Uh, but then again, you know, I can't stop all those people listening to Meryl Streep instead of the Chief Medical Officer of Australia and the Prime Minister you know, and the Director General of the World Health Organisation. If... Five million people are listening to Meryl Streep or Beyonce or somebody, um, or Sam Smith, who's sitting in his you know, $20 million mansion crying because he's having an anxiety attack. <laughs> oh, God, it's hard not to believe people. Um, oh, you're doing that because he's gay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, nothing to do with um, him just being a, a dickhead. <laughs> Oh, look, maybe his anxiety is real. Have some compassion, Charlie. wonder if compassion will survive this coronavirus uh, stream of consciousness now. Uh, you know, will the world change? Are we going to lurch to toughen up, princess? Are we going to lurch in that direction after this coronavirus is coming come gone? You know? Because you know, we've been doing a lot of soft talk for years and years and years now, decades actually, um, uh, what, was, what was I thinking about there? Oh, Italy. You know, Italy's where all the really bad stuff's happening. You know, I think we're getting something like seven or 800 people dying a day in Italy at the moment. They're up to about 5,000. And now, um, and one of their top virologists uh, was on the news today and he was saying political correctness had gave the virus a helping hand because uh, when uh, in the early stages um, people, you know, like um, when it was just in China, uh, people were starting to um, avoid Chinese people and there was a movement in Italy and I think it was the mayor of Firenze, you know, Florence, Firenze, um, and you can Google this yourself. The mayor of um, Firenze was saying that this is unacceptable. It's an excuse to be racist. You know, the fact that heaps and heaps of Chinese people, it was in the many thousands, have got coronavirus and no one else has. And people um, in, Chinese people in Italy, people were shutting them 
and being rather racist towards them. And the mayor of Florence um, put out an, an edict, if you like. No, he made a public service announcement. How does that sound? Saying he started a hashtag saying hug a Chinese. Except in Italian. Now, um, and then um, the virus took off in Italy. It it has exploded in Italy like nowhere else. In fact, they've got many more deaths than China at the moment. Italy, the world is stunned. So far, the rest of us are just sort of battling away, you know, and the virus is kind of causing a lot of damage and all that sort of stuff, but the graph isn't, you know, like ridiculous. But in Italy, it's just gone kaboom. Now, it might go kaboom here in Australia in a couple of weeks too, I don't know. But the point is, Italy, so far, has been a basket case. An absolute basket case. Um, In no time at all, look, in about half the time that it took China to get to about, you know, I don't know how many, in in about half the time that it took China to get to 2,500 deaths, Italy has achieved 5,000 deaths in half the time, you know, since the first first death was recorded in each country. Italy has exploded. Um, Yeah, and... Um, the top a top virologist in Italy has claimed that this whole focus on compassion and love and all that sort of stuff hug a Chinese hashtag hug a Chinese early on in Italy yeah because there was a huge amount of um, fly in fly out Chinese traffic going on at the time because apparently there's a lot of Chinese people working in Italy uh especially in the north, is it? Um, Where, you know, because in Italy, you want the product of Italy to be stamped on things, you know, for the quality, but they just bring in Chinese people to effectively make make them made in China, except the Chinese happen to be on Italian dirt. And then, but because um, the products are made with cheap labour in Italy by Chinese people. You know, they stamp made in Italy on them. A, there was a whole lot of that going on. And that is where the virus exploded. But then again, you know, was it the Chinese, the fault of the Chinese people? Well, I'm sure it started with the Chinese people. Um, it's not their fault, personally. They're the victims. I'm not, you know, you, Charlie, you're blaming the victim. No, I'm just noticing. Um, all right. Now, so, look, I just felt like a little chat. I chucked that on, all of that chat, to the start of the episode that's coming up, um, which is pre-recorded, and that'll do, you know, because this is a diary, a coronavirus diary, and right there was my next instalment, and what you're about to listen to, if you do listen to it, and I know you will because it's you, isn't it, Charlie? Faith, hope, charity, love, compassion, and staying relevant in the age of coronavirus. Vaguely, this is what this episode is about. Uh, there's no end to the material that is available 
four episodes at the moment in the age of coronavirus. Um, it's, it's a fertile time. Um, it's an exciting time in its own way, as I've mentioned before. Now, uh, look, there's a time for faith, hope, love, compassion, charity, all those sorts of things. Um, but, you know, and, and there are people saying compassion, faith, hope will get us through. You know, I even saw an article on the back of the paper today, just the headline, uh, it was by Rewald. And, uh, and, um, and it said, a footy offers hope, you know, because the AFL is uh, still going, you know, uh, you know, which I, th- look, my first instinct was that it shouldn't still be going, you know, and I think I mentioned that in a previous episode, uh, that it's a, that it sends a bad message if nothing else, you know, even if the stands are empty, you know? it's not exactly social distancing when men are tackling each other for two hours, uh, but then I heard that every single footy player had been tested as to whether they had um, coronavirus or not. See, we can't all do that in the public because there's 25 million of us, you know, but the footy players could. And they were tested. Uh, So I suppose, yes, there's no risk, like absolutely, you know, next to no risk for them. So I suppose it is nice to... And Essendon's playing today. In a couple of hours we start. So I'll be watching. And I do like the idea of watching the footy. Yeah, I'll get to see the Bombers. When I thought that the footy season was going to be cancelled, and it hasn't, lots of other fo- uh, lots of other sporting events, you know, um, leagues, you know, seasons have been cancelled. I think overseas, soccer has been cancelled, um, and American football and things like that, as far as I know, maybe even basketball. But here in Australia, we've still got our footy going. Uh, and... It offers hope. Now, my first instinct on that, you know, not for the people who are going to die, it doesn't. Um, That's my first instinct. Uh, And also, hope's not what this game is all about at the moment, this game of coronavirus. Um, I mean, hope's nice, but it's not about hope. You know, some of us will die and some of us won't. It doesn't matter whether you hope or not, you know. Um, which sounds a bit brutal, but I think it's true. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you've got faith or not. You know, there's been quite a few examples around the world where you know, churches, people praying together that they wouldn't get coronavirus, that they wouldn't get coronavirus. Um, there have been quite a few examples around the world where they have been the hotbeds, you know, because people were too close together, too close to each other, hugging each other and praying together and holding hands praying, and then they all got coronavirus. So faith doesn't work. Well, not that sort of faith anyway. Look, faith isn't cutting it at the moment. Faith, hope, love, charity, all these things are good. Um, But there's a time and place for everything. And what's required now, um, you know, these are just words at the moment. Almost empty words. Look, if you're dying, having a bit of faith, hope, and the compassion of others, um, it may help you get through that, but it's not going to help you. It's not going to save you from dying. You're going to die anyway. Um, if, if you're, you know, if you've got, if, if, if you're um, 
one of those sorts of people who've got the physiology that has to die uh, more or less once you've got coronavirus. You're going to die anyway. It's irrelevant. It's nothing to do with your age group and your underlying medical issues. It's nothing to do with faith or hope you know, or love. I mean, all the uh, faith and hope, yeah, they're no, not much point of those. Look, what you need is love and compassion might be nice from your loved ones. It's a bit of a shame because often you die alone anyway when... Um, when it's coronavirus time uh, but um, but what's needed is you know mathematics discipline um, a dictatorial leadership style from our leaders you know, because people aren't disciplined uh, we recently had Scott Morrison um railing against people who were bulk buying toilet paper and he was angry at them but he's our boss at the moment you know he's supposed to be switching into a slightly more dictatorial leadership style put the democracy away for a minute yeah and it sounds weak to complain about uh, the actions of your populace when you're in charge he should be regulating, not complaining, regulating, not complaining about the lack of toilet roll or the hoarding of the toilet roll and all this sort of stuff, you know. Uh, but regulating all of that and forcing the people to be good to each other. You know? He shouldn't be complaining when they're not being nice to each other. That's to be expected. And it's not. Even, there's no point even all the people on Facebook or whatever lecturing other people, you know. And though you know these people, these little petty dictators on Facebook, railing against people who are taking more than their share. Look, thick people are going to. I know that sounds. That's a bleak outlook on humanity. But welcome to humanity, you know. Um, but faith, hope and love. Actually, faith, hope and love is on the school bag of my son. My son's school bag. Uh, and, you know, that's his, that's his guiding principles in his school, faith, hope and love. But it wouldn't, you know, his school isn't helping him get ready for something like coronavirus here. Um, if, if, um, if I wanted to prepare my son for, uh, you know, disasters like coronavirus, on the back of his bag... Yeah, I'd want something like science, medicine, and discipline. Yeah, things like that. You know, he should aim for those things if he wants to really solve coronavirus. You know, if he really wants to get through coronavirus. Look, a lot of people are saying this, you know. If we all hang together, we can get through. Look, maybe, you know, if we all stay strong, whatever. Look, we need to be controlled. Um, we're undisciplined. We're an undisciplined rabble. And we need uh, pretty dictatorial leadership to get us through. You know, we don't need faith, hope and love to get us through. We need some dictators. And we have got that, you know. Um, in the modern world, a dictatorship looks like this. A declaration of emergency, a state of emergency, you know. So we've got that. So the you know, dictatorial powers have come in. Um, our rights, you know, our precious rights that people often think are universal that are inalienable do you hear that often we have inalienable rights you know to um 
move around as we so choose. You know, if I want to go, um, you know, if, if um, look, an Indigenous person, for example, has got an absolute right to um, walk, you know, up and down the Yarra River today if he wants to, because that's his ancient lands. Uh, but he'll be stopped. He can't. There are no such thing as rights. There's no such thing as Indigenous rights right now. Um, an Indigenous person will be locked away due to this coronavirus against his will, if he's an idiot enough to want to move around. He'll be locked... He'll be prevented from doing so, just like anyone else would be prevented from doing so, you know, and so on and so forth. All right. Now, um... Uh, sorry, there's a noise there. So faith, hope, love and compassion. Um, and staying relevant. Um, I, when I mentioned that at the start of the episode, I actually had Harry and Megan in mind. Uh, I, I feel that they've picked the exact wrong moment to um, drop out of the royal family and all of that. That's just more sympathy for those guys for wanting to drop out, I could not have. But the timing's bad, unluckily. Uh, and um, it's, it must be so difficult at the moment for Harry and Megan to stay relevant. Uh, because the, the in their arsenal of... In their toolbox of tools that they have at their disposal to help us all... Uh, they've only got things like compassion and all that sort of stuff. All the things that that bishop at that wedding, at that wedding they had, was spruiking as being the answer to everything in the world. Uh, do you remember that bishop? He looked like Bishop Archbishop Desmond Tutu, but I can't remember his actual name. The one they had. Um, now, you know that guy. He was um, saying. Love is all you need, you know what I mean? He had a church full of very, very rich people, extremely rich people, and maybe a few token um, non-rich people that Megan might have rung in, but a church full of absolutely wealthy and privileged people and a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of absolutely wealthy people getting married. And um, he was saying, you know, because what, what the sorts of things you really do need, you know, in to make the world a better place, perhaps, is not to have this extreme wealth gap. Yeah. But that bishop was very, very nice to Harry and Megan and the and everyone assembled in the church that day because he knew he knew they were all rich. And he was saying, Don't worry about that. You're not gonna go to hell for that. All you need is love. That's what he said. All you need is compassion and all that sort of stuff. And then everyone in that church, even though they were filthy rich, the whole lot of them Maybe one or two weren't, I don't know. Um, they were all filthy rich. And, you know, ordinarily they'd feel a little bit guilty about that, wouldn't they? You know, when there's a lot of people who aren't filthy rich, and I mean filthy rich. You know? And, you know, if they had any guilt as they walked into that church, they didn't have any as they walked out. Um, because the first estate had conferred legitimacy on the second estate right there and then. I'm using French Revolution talk there. Um, and uh, they were given a Willy Wonka past 
uh, gold pass to be rich and still feel like good people because as they walked out of that church, all they needed to do was be compassionate and loving. You can get into the technicalities that, you know, loving means they should share their money and all that sort of stuff, but no, that's not what he meant. Okay, so compassion, love, all these things. Look, technically, yes, even in this age of coronavirus, if everyone was loving, Jesus style, there'd be no hoarding of toilet rolls because everyone would be trying to share. Uh, But that doesn't work, actually, in real life. Because, you know, I may say that... For all the loving in the world, um, I have a very large extended family and friend network. And for all the loving in the world, um, distribution is not going to be perfect. You know, the sharing is not going to be beautifully socialist or communist. And people I know are going to miss out. Um, I'm going to get some extra toilet roll and quite a lot of it. Um, yeah, I had a bloke, an elderly bloke who's done many good favours for me over the years. Um, he, you know, and he brought up the fact that he was elderly for the purposes of this discussion, but he was furious um, because he went to the elderly morning at Coles, our supermarket. They set aside an hour for elderly people to go down there so that they could get first crack of the toilet paper. And then when all the elderly people got there, there was none there anyway. He was furious. He had to get up early to do this. And he said, they wasted my time. And I said to him, well, don't worry about that. Because I'm keeping my eyes open every day, scouring the supermarkets. We did it this morning. Um, and my daughter and I saw someone walking out of Safeway in Mooney Ponds with a toilet roll. Guess what? Uh, I parked around the corner. I went in first and told her to come in sort of five minutes later. And we got two packets of toilet roll. The limit is one per person. We are bad people. Um very bad people there we actually cooked the books there can you see what we did we actually took more than our share okay um and i'll be dropping the second toilet roll off to my mate uh, who has done many wonderful favors for me over the years but that's not why i'm doing it if he had done no favors for me i would have done it anyway it's really important everybody make sure you have more toilet paper than you need um yeah, this is my, um, this is not my love, faith, hope and compassion advice, Harry and Megan style. This is my advice, on, you know, practical advice. You need more than you think you need because you may need to help someone else out for a start. You know, and you may need to help yourself out anyway because um, this thing might go for six months. Yeah, do you know what it is? It's a balance, for, oh, a balance between every man for himself. Don't be an idiot. And also, don't go overboard. Um, Yeah, something like that, you know. But faith, hope and compassion um, has its limits. And, you know, the most important skills and values to have at the moment are discipline, mathematics, medicine, um, structure, and hopefully... and and. Bring in the dictators. This is a lesson we learned from ancient Rome. Um, In times of crisis, put aside your republic, you know, and all your inalienable rights and make them suddenly alienable, all those rights. You have no rights. 
faith, hope, love and compassion. Um, they have their limits and they don't work all the time. Often they don't work. In fact, they pretty much most of the time only help you cope. They help you, they help you cope with a bad situation most of the time. They don't make the world a better place because we're an imperfect species. Yeah. And you could say thinking like that makes it more so true. Yeah. But it's true anyway. Um, so, um, I think that's that. Uh, is there anything else I had on my mind about that? Well, I had nothing on my mind. I just started uh, yabbering. Um, I, I have heard, I have heard that a bit though, that if we all stick together, uh, the World Health Organization boss, Tedros the Ethiopian, you know, um, he's been saying that a lot. If we all stick together, we will get through this. Um, well, how many deaths did we have in Italy last night? I think nigh on a thousand. Um, or a thousand people listening to Tedros say that two days ago. If we all stick together, we will pull through. We will get through this together, he said. Not those thousand people. See, there's limits to that sort of message. You know, the feel-good messages, there's limits. Um, and a lot of it's mathematics. What he should be saying is, thousands of you listening to me right now will die. You will drown in, in uh, your own fluid on the lungs. And it's not a good death. No. It's a horrible death because you're conscious. You're totally compassmentous. You are, um, you are completely lucid up until the moment you die. You know what's going on right up to the end. Uh, you'll be leaving children, grandchildren um, behind, all this sort of stuff. You know, technically, that's the truth. Um, so, uh, to, to a very large extent, we need hard heads in the world. Um, look, we need some feel-good people just to feel them, so the masses feel a little bit better about themselves, and you know that they false hope. You know, the thousand people who died in Italy overnight. Uh, anyone who gave those guys hope, uh, Tedros ranks the highest amongst all the people who were giving those people false hope. And telling those people, if we all stick together, we'll, we'll all pull through this together. Um, anyone who gave those people false hope, let them down. They are the forgotten people in this situation. Because it's only the survivors who end up saying, he was right, Tedros, at the World Health Organization. Look, we have come through. And you see this in movies often. And I always find it hard with movies. Um... There's a great big battle or something. It doesn't matter if it's totally fiction, you know, Maleficent or something, you know, some cartoon, you know, whatever. But the great big battle happens and people die all over the place in the battle. And there's, the, you know, and then the war ends and then there's tears of joy. Everyone starts hugging each other and they say... It all worked out, and the sun's shining, and then you just get this image of two people kissing and another two people holding hands. You know, it's a common trope. You sort of think, what a happy ending after all that chaos. 
Yeah, but not for the people who are dead. Yeah. It didn't work out, you know, everybody stuck together, but it didn't work out for them. And just quietly, it didn't work out for all the people who loved them too. Um, in these movies, I saw it with um, that movie Maleficent. Heaps of people got killed in a battle. And um, at the end of it, I think the same thing happened in Frozen 2. You know, and at the end of it, uh, it's uh, the smiles and you know the daisies popping out and all that sort of stuff. And the sun will come, the sun will come out tomorrow and all this business. And... Um, but I was thinking of all the people, and there was no one in the village who wasn't joyful and happy. But I was thinking about all the people who'd lost loved ones, who'd lost loved ones in that battle between the you know the forest people and the uh, you know and, and the city people. Yeah. Um, hope, hope is a false hope. Um, you know, if 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 coronavirus kills. 100,000 people, Dr. Tedros from the World Health Organization. Yeah, that's a million people, maybe 10 million people um, who have lost it. Any hope you gave them was false because for the rest of their life, you know, they've lost their loved one or they are the loved one that died and all that sort of thing. Um, The real game is mathematics, science, discipline and a very hard leadership style uh, to minimise the deaths. We all know that. Look, maybe it's a good thing that we are, are, um, you know, we give ourselves this feel-good feeling that it's going to work out in the end, you know, hope, you know. But, um, um, and, and this is where it's difficult, I suppose, for Harry and Megan, and a lot of actually, a lot of celebrities actually, you know, when times are good, celebrities like Harry and Megan and lots of others, you know, they um, distribute largesse, much like I do in this podcast, you know, they distribute largesse, um, and they feel very relevant because they've got a message for the world. But what I'm getting at is right now in the age of coronavirus, um, people like Harry and Megan and Kanye and Beyonce and Paul McCartney and all those guys, they're just mouths flapping. They're just mouths flapping. I'm, I'm not interested in what they've got to say. The people who are suddenly now much more important, you know, because that Kanye West, he says... Ah, uh, I am the most, you know, I'm the greatest person on earth. Look, <laughs> and they feel like great people, you know. Um, but right now, uh, scientists working on a vaccine are way above Kanye West. He's nothing. He's nothing. He's on the sidelines here with me. He's a nobody, dis- you know, distributing largesse. He's got beautiful messages for the world and all that sort of stuff, you know. A lot of these people, I haven't even heard from them. Greta Thunberg, all these people, you know. I haven't heard one word from them. They were coming to my attention before this. They're irrelevant. You know, these people who empower Meryl Streep and all that sort of stuff. Shut up at the moment. 
I've got my ears open to hear what the scientists have got to say and the dictators you hate so much too, the people with dictatorial leadership styles and all this. These are the people I want to hear from now. I don't want to hear about rights. I don't want to hear about anything else. I don't want to hear about love and compassion, really. This is me personally. Um, I'm doing the maths. I'm, I'm working out on you know, things like rate of spread of virus, mortality rate, demographics, age groups, uh, finding a cure, you know, all this sort of stuff. You know, at the moment, I think some Australians are working on a bit of a mixture of you know, some things that uh, work for HIV, AIDS, and also for malaria. And we're doing some trials on that right now. These are the things I want to hear. I heard an interesting um, episode on the BBC last night, actually. You know, in that early um, hunt for a cure for malaria. In the Vietnam War, I think it was, um, both the North Vietnamese and the US were in a desperate fix there for a while. Malaria was causing a lot of trouble in the ranks. And uh, both sides were seeking a fix. This is nothing to do with this episode. I just heard it last night. Um, and to to know what to know how uh, China came up for a, with a cure on, on that occasion for malaria, which has now been a gift for the whole world because we're all using it. Uh, um, you'd have to Google the lady, the Chinese lady, who won the Nobel Prize in I think it was two thousand and fifteen very recently um but during the vietnam war she had the eureka moment after amazing dedication to the cause um in finding a cure for malaria at that point in time and she was trawling through ancient chinese medicines uh you know chairman mao had announced that he wanted that to be done um and uh, you know, as part of the package in trying to solve this problem, he said, listen, we've been at this for thousands of years. You know, there must be a cure hidden in our texts. And she found one. Um, it was just cold distillation of wormwood, of all things, you know. And that was amazing. And, um, uh, and apparently that has gone worldwide. And we might even use that now as part of the package that will sort out this COVID-19. Google that woman, she's fantastic, that Chinese woman. Now you might say, aha, Chinese medicine. See, it has got all the answers. No, 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 it had that answer. You know, Western medicine is still king. Chinese medicine had that answer that someone figured that, that was from the fourth century, that cure. Um, Chinese medicine had that example. Ah, uh, but what missed, you know, um, but it's not going to have every answer. Uh, you know, they found it that time, but they didn't have to. You know, there's a hundred things that Chinese medicine's got no answer for. And uh, Western medicine kicks in like this. Chinese, um, they were able to, um, you know, by trial and error, probably back in the fourth century, they were able to figure that one out. And, uh, you know, some great person just like this woman recently an even greater person because that person went came came into that solution cold you know some genius in the past you know but where western medicine kicks in is and everyone uses western medicine now even the chinese is we are now able to look into the molecule you know the molecules and all that sort of stuff um and do and see how the cold 
distillation of wormwood at a molecular level, molecular level sorted that out, and then used that knowledge to create new synthetic solutions to problems like COVID-19 and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, never putting aside still experimenting with all the natural ones as well. Western medicine's got much more artillery. Chinese medicine, for example, is uh, in the armory of Western medicine. You know, we are, we, we analyze all of that as well. We include Eastern medicine, we Westerners, in Western medicine, you know, because that, you know, they're, they're, that is one body of important research for us, you know. As soon as we know about Eastern medicine, it becomes part of Western medicine because what we do is we test all those solutions that the Eastern medicine's got and whatever works, we keep and whatever doesn't work, we throw out via trials. That's Western medicine. Um, so, you know, one, one sparrow doesn't make a spring. Is that right? <laughs> one swallow. <laughs> anyway, um, so, um, so that's all that. But, yeah, so the... the it's really hard, I think, for people like Beyonce and Paul McCartney and Meryl Streep and all these people to, to stay relevant. Um, we don't want to hear from them at this point in time. We want to hear from the people who actually can make a difference. Some dictators, please. Um, and also some police. Um, and, you know, to keep everyone in their houses. And a lot of scientists... You know, and a lot of mathematicians and a lot of statisticians. They're the true heroes in the world at the moment, which means they were all along. Hey, Kanye, you know, you say, you know, you, claim, you say, I am a god and I am the greatest, and, you know, and um, that you have an amazing grasp on um, the ways of the world. Well, only in a very narrow focus, Kanye, you know. Are you a microbiologist? Oh, you mean you're just... Um, an expert on the world in analysing, you know, social trends and political trends and you've become quite good at that, that's only a very, very tiny part of what makes this world tick. There's a lot more going on than just being fairly expert at, you know, making social commentary. That's what most people are expert at. They're expert at making social commentary but they're not much good at anything else and they feel, you know, because it's an inexact science, social commentary, these people start to feel as they talk to each other on social media and all that sort of thing, that they're some sort of geniuses, you know. But, you know, you can't get them talking... You can't engage them in a conversation about, you know, quantum physics or microbiology or anything else because they just don't know anything about that. They say, yeah, 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 but that's not important. It is important. Um, And... All along, just because you're good at social commentary, just as, just because you're good at analysing relationships and you know social trends and social behaviours of humans, just because essentially you're good at anthropology, or you think you are anyway, and that you've got a compassionate heart and you've got a wonderful message that will inspire people, this does not make you the greatest. The greatest all along, arguably have been the physicists, the scientists, the world leaders you hate so much on both sides, um, on all sides, you know. Uh, these are the great people, you know. And, um, and you're nothing. Harry, Megan, Paul, Meryl, 
you know. And I, I, I've, I suspect I won't hear from you again over the next six months, really. I haven't heard you once, any of you, in the news, because you're not relevant, which means you were not relevant ever. You know, in, in, in the easy times, in the good times, you blow yourself up as being relevant, so you're a good social commentator. Yeah? Good for you, you know. But um, there's more to the universe than all of that. And right now, the real heroes of this world are, I think, you know, well, um, we're all, you know, we're all listening for their next song, which will be a cure for COVID-19, much more eagerly than we're waiting for the next album from Can... Mercedes. Um, then we're waiting. Then we're waiting for the next album from Kanye West to drop. Yeah, we're not waiting for the next Kanye West album. We're waiting for a cure for COVID nineteen. And right now, people like Harry and Megan are just not relevant. And you know, they're, they're sort of almost um, pathetically, in a way, trying to stay relevant. They've got this website called Sussex Royal, you know, and. They're trying to put out um, little messages to everyone, stay loving to each other, all this sort of stuff with compassion, that will get us through. You know, they're putting little messages out like that and you kind of sort of think, just shut up. <laughs> just just isolate yourself in a home and say nothing until this all blows over and let the real heroes sort, you know, get, you, get everybody safe again. Let all, let all the real heroes get everybody safe again. Our world leaders who are in power at the moment. The, and the more dictatorial they are, the better. The more dictatorial ones. You know, for example, President Xu in China um, has saved, I think, millions of lives uh, because he's knocked this thing on the head in China so far. There might be a second coming of COVID-19 in China again. But, you know, they've got the discipline, these dictators dictators um and you made look and, and and look their their style works both ways you know because he had that style um the fact that we had a virus in the first place was suppressed for a while and you know so he's a mass murderer at the same time but once you know he gave in and sort of realized this was one of the ones that was big he said all right boom we go disciplined you know these are the heroes all of you other people meryl Harry, Megan, Paul, um, just shut up for a while. Let these guys sort everything out. Get everybody safe, um, you know. And um, and once they've got everything safe, you can all pop up again and start putting your pointless memes up, making people feel good, and 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 saying that we should never have these dictators, yeah. And you know, and never mentioning the scientists as possible. Um, as possible uh, candidates for greatest people in the world when you're busy putting yourself forward as greatest people in the world. Meryl Streep, Paul McCartney, Harry and Megan, Kanye and Beyonce and the rest of you, you know. Um, you can go back to doing that and um, uh, being, you know, making yourself so obvious, always putting yourself forward, you know. Um, 66 million followers, you know, forgive me. That woman from China back in the Vietnam War who was incredibly alone when she made that discovery and also she was being oppressed and her husband had been sent off to a concentration camp too for some reason. It was not a good time for intellectuals at the time. Um, it was 
right in the middle of Chairman Mao's cultural revolution. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, but and yet he needed someone to solve this problem. So somehow he managed to wangle that to sort of say, hey, you scientists, get in there and find a cure for malaria. And at the same time, I'm locking up your husband and you won't have any access to your children for the next six months. Work hard. And you better come up with a solution. Yeah. Not pretty, but it worked. All right. So that's that. End of episode, the latest instalment on coronavirus. This episode ends up being about heroes. I didn't intend for it to be about heroes, but it ended up being about heroes. Uh, It's a bit later in the day since I recorded the bit coming up, so I can't remember exactly how it starts off. Um, But it ends up being about that. Um, and uh, it ends up being about um, the idea that with the coronavirus up and about, um, our, the heroes we need at the moment are the scientists, you know, to create a vaccine. Yeah. And our leaders who will keep us in line and stop the thing spreading. You know, we need a few leaders to step up and be dictators for us for a bit. Um, even if they're leaders in democracies, you know, we want them to put that democracy to one side just for a minute and play dictator, and keep us in line, and keep us queuing up for toilet paper and all that sort of stuff for a while. Um, So these are the heroes we need at the moment. We probably, you know, the episode that's coming up argues that we probably don't need the other sorts of heroes just at the moment, you know. Kanye and Beyonce and Meryl Streep and Paul McCartney and Harry and Megan. We probably don't need those guys. That's what I argue in the episode coming up. But look, they are heroes too. Um, I'm a bit hard on them in the episode coming up. I know that because I've already recorded it. And I'd like to backpedal on that a little bit. These guys are important. Sorry. Um, Sorry, Paul. Uh... Yeah, I still love you, Paul. But please, shut up. <laughs> he speaks a lot of crap, does Paul. But anyway, yeah. uh, but um, they are heroes. Look, if uh, people vote with their feet, don't they? And if, um, if there are half a billion people in the world who think Beyonce is a hero, then she's a hero. It's not for me to say that she's not. You know, it's a democracy. Um, so I'd like to backpedal a little bit because I give those guys a bit of stick in the coming episode, and I'd like to backpedal from that. You know, Harry and Megan, I'm sorry. Uh, Meryl Streep, I'm sorry. Uh, Beyonce and Kanye, my apologies. Paul, look, uh, uh, Paul. I don't know what to say about Paul. (laughs) On with the episode.